uh, we have meanwhile we have also received uh, some of the questions uh, um, I took a time and published uh, some of those uh, so uh, one question was that who was C Olsen in Deutsche's company those company I think it's for you sorry could you, could you repeat the question uh, who was C Olsen in Toys okay. company? So it was a joint venture between uh, Lithuania and uh, Norwegian joint venture and it reflected uh, the name of the foreign capital in, in the business. So the business became 100% uh, Lithuanian capital and family owned in, uh, in, uh, in the 90s. So it reflects the, that. Okay, thank you. There is another question I think addressed to you, Donatus. Uh, how do um, uh -huh. how do you structure old new generation shareholding with toys? So I uh, also get the sister. Uh, so sister, uh, we managed to convince to join the family business uh, just uh, a year ago. So she was successfully doing the career in a different uh, sector. Uh, but we are uh, shareholders in the business as well. The 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 new generation as well and we in our family constitution and then during the process we clearly outlined the the process of, of ownership uh, transition uh, both to to our generation and to the next generations as well mm -hmm. thank you uh, it is a third question to you um, uh, how did you determine the rules for allocating ownership by discussion and communication <laughs> i think there is uh, no best practice and rules of thumb you know it's uh, it depends uh, on i think it's it's uh, uh, it needs to be a very clear dialogue and communication between the old generation and the next one why are you doing this what do you want to achieve with that and effectively when are you doing this because this will happen sooner uh, or later so I think it's a matter of agreement and communication, which happened in our case as well. Right. And you continue to be very popular among three of us. <laughs> Fourth question to you. Uh, are there other family members from new generation too? And what's, uh, what are their roles? So, so as I mentioned, my sister joined the family business, so she's a member of a management team and a member of the board as well. And uh, she's responsible for the, the, the marketing in, in our group. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, Michael, some questions uh, to you. Um, uh, your presentation was great, it is mentioned. And the question was that, um, how is income from uh, from foundation or trust uh, taxable in the UK in hands of individuals? I'm not sure if you can take this question, but if you can, please. Uh, yes, absolutely. I tried to um, send a response on the Q&A box. Uh, the main problem is that this is uh, quite a complex topic and we often have like one hour presentations at conferences just on this question. Um, generally speaking, uh, most uh, trusts um, for international families will um, not necessarily have a UK based trustee. So they might apply English law, but the trustee will be based in a more favourable tax jurisdiction. 
So if the tax, uh, if the trustee is non-UK, you can often, uh, with some careful planning, um, uh, you can often, uh, especially if um, the settlor and the beneficiary are not UK resident or not UK domiciled, you can often um, shelter um, the UK income from UK taxation. When some of the beneficiaries are resident or the settlor even is, uh, the settlor is who um, sets up the trust effectively. Um, uh, if either the settlor or the beneficiary are not um, our UK resident instead, then we need to be a bit more careful. So we need to look at whether the trust was set up before those people moved to the UK. And if it's set up once those people are already in the UK, you need to be a bit more careful in segregating the trust income appropriately. Um, basically, the short answer is there's many variables. So um, I really need to give you an answer based on the specific circumstances, but mm. those are the of issues you would uh, consider um, in determining. Um, but as I said, it's more of an issue if either settlor or beneficiary of the assets are situated in the UK. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, there is another question which I think you could also take. Um, the question was about that what minimum of personal wealth uh, you would recommend to structure through, uh, through trust or foundation? Do you think you could have some comment on that? Yeah, so that is um, that is a very good question and a question we get asked quite often. Um, there's no right or wrong answer because some sometimes there's, an, a, there's a perception that to justify a trust or a foundation, I need very valuable assets or I need large amounts of cash. You, nowadays, as I mentioned in my presentation, most trusts and foundations are not set up for tax reasons. They set up for, uh, you know, as part of generational planning, as part of governance. And sometimes the assets we put into trust or into a foundation can be very hard to value. You know, like a family, you know, like a family business, it is very difficult sometimes to determine what exactly the value of that business at a specific time is. So I think you need to more rather than obviously, you know, you don't want to set up a sophisticated structure if the value is negligent, is negligible. But um, often you need to look at what I think the question more than value is what kind of asset are you settling? And the costs, the fees of trustees and foundation council members will depend not just on the quality of the service provider, but they will also include a responsibility element. Mm. So obviously, uh, if the trust asset are uh, shares in the business, those are going to be more complicated and more expensive to administer than just a lot of money sitting in a bank account. Mm. So there's so many factors to factor in. Um, and obviously, there's a big difference in cost depending on the jurisdiction you pick. Uh, some jurisdictions uh, are traditionally, because they have more of a history of uh, fiduciary services, will be more expensive than others. So there's many, again, there's many variables. Mm -hmm. Thank you. 
That's true, I can confirm. A uh, couple of more questions. Uh, uh, Tonatas again. Uh, it's like, a, you know, it's like a Santa Claus is back, you know. Whose present is that, you know? Now it's Michael, now it's <laughs> Tonatas. Okay, uh, how did you put the family constitution into effect that it has legal basis? Yeah, that's a very good question and uh, quite com complicated one, especially in our legal systems. So, um, I guess if you're not uh, forming a foundation of trust, you you cannot uh, maybe implement everything uh, word by word and our our uh, in our jurisdi jurisdictions, uh, but you can uh, apply most of it and apply these principles uh, in just a simple corporate uh, structure in our countries. So that's what we did. Uh, we we decided not to make a foundation of trust in other country at least for now. Uh, because we, first of all, we believe uh, in the stability of our countries and the second, uh, uh, we are not sure about the taxation system in the future. Um, and we incorporated, I would say, 95% of what we drafted in the family constitution uh, just into, let's say, articles of association and shareholder agreement uh, of, our, of our legal entities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and one more, um, how do you motivate non-family members since they know upfront that top positions are inherited and not necessarily reflect their competencies? I think it's a good question to both of you. What have you seen in practice? Donatus, maybe you can begin and then Michael, if you can. Yeah, so, so I, I can talk from our position that I mean, even how we structure it, that this is not inherited and uh, anyone could be a manager in, in our business. Uh, I guess uh, what, what we have inherited is the board membership, but uh, also there's only part of the family members who, who need to be in the board. And as I mentioned before, um, you structure it by, uh, by uh, drafting the criteria for hiring uh, family members into the top uh, positions. Also, we set up a nomination committee for the future, which can have uh, outside uh, participation as well. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Michael, do you have something to add? What have you seen in your practice? Uh, this is a very co a good question because actually this is one of the critical points when, when I mentioned that even earlier in my presentation about managing um, external intervention in the family business because this is one of the most recurrent tensions um, where there's a feeling that uh, outside contribution is not adequately um, uh, appreciated and therefore remunerated and compensated and you know there's sometimes a tension um, what often that clashes is um, um, is an issue that often arises in family businesses is a tension between so-called active family members and uh, non-active or passive family members which is family members that are actively involved in the management and of the business so they're the ones effectively doing the day-to-day -day work and family members who are maybe shareholders who just sit and wait for their dividend pretty much and um, this is often the reason for tension and something you would try and deal with in family constitutions and other documents and where I've seen most issues uh, with non-family members is 
frustration against the non against the passive family members. They're more willing to accept uh, you know, active family members who are, who are taking personal risk and obviously sacrificing time and um, uh, you know and uh, and you know providing all their work to the business and they're very happy for them to be paid uh, and, and remunerated. The frustration uh, is with the passive family members and another issue is sometimes uh, when non-family members get involved in the business especially early in their career is knowing that they knowing that possibly their time might come to an end as soon as you get to the generational shift you know the new generation might come in and you know there might be a spoiled system and they will bring new people in um, so that is another time uh, so so it's a very yeah it's a very good question because it's the two these are the two sort of junctures that have to be managed most frequently with family members maybe i adapt to this you know it's one of the questions that they mentioned uh, business first to family first and uh, I, I think you need to answer this question uh, you know in the in the beginning yeah that's right. At the moment, we have no more questions um, and we have gone slightly over the time. I think uh, we can finish by now, but uh, uh, dear visitors of our webinar, if you have any more questions, you know, you're always welcome to contact uh, us via mail. Uh, we'd be happy to uh, to involve uh, Michael. I'm not so sure about Donatus. He has another daily job to, <laughs> to do, but... Uh, uh, but certainly, uh, I hope that we could uh, we could share invaluable uh, information today. Um, if you would like to continue with uh, with uh, webinars like this, uh, please also uh, give us a notice. We will ha be happy to uh, to organize some more of them in uh, in all the questions which uh, are in your interest. And um, I thank. Uh, Michael and Tonatus for joining us today and providing us uh, with uh, invaluable uh, insights into the topic. Uh, and I think for today, it's uh, we can we can finish. Thank you.